Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Irish NFL podcast once again. And in the house tonight, we have Colm, we have Brian, we have Christina, and we have Mark. Hello, everybody. So uh, before we get started, let me just uh, do a quick shout out to our sponsors, Cassidy Travel. You can go to playoff games, you can go to the Super Bowl, you can go next season, you can do all those things and Cassidy Travel will hook you up. So check out their info in our bios and all the other good places that you can come and find them online. Uh, so before we talk about wildcard matches, we have a little wildcard of our own at the start. We have some cool announcements. So rather than me announce them, I will turn over to Mark, who will also turn over to Christina with some cool announcements. So, Mark, uh, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Callie. Look, it's the uh, playoffs, so the Irish NFL show has to do a bit of touring, uh, like any good band, get on the road again. So um, we might have some things lined up with our friends and partners at Cassidy Travel during the divisional round that will come to another stage, but in fact... We've already made plans that during the championship round, we will be doing our normal show, actually live from one of our great partners and sponsors during the year at PointsBet from their offices in Dublin 8. We'll have a few special guests and we'll have a bit of a crack with uh, all the PointsBet crew uh, there that week and that night. But in fact, also later that week for the championship games, Christina will be uh, live and unroar as well in another location. So we're very excited to announce that we are partnering with Captain America's and we will be doing a live show from Captain America's on Grafton Street on the 27th of January at 7.30. The price will be 10 euros per ticket and the tickets go live tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. We do expect this to go very, very quickly. So our advice to you is get on board once we share the ticket information with you tomorrow morning. And we can't wait to see you guys in person. It's going to be great to see everyone torment you all. And me standing uh-huh. on the sidelines laughing at everybody. Greatest fans are banned. Greatest fans are banned. Not allowed to talk about that game at Legion Stadium. But other than that, everyone welcome. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, readers. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Gala. I'm already looking forward to seeing what, what uh, short column will wear to uh, Captain America. I'm sure he's already thinking in his head what he will line up for that special <laughs> evening. Colin never. He's waiting for the Bengals top, Brian. He's waiting for that tracksuit. <laughs> Never oh yeah, the cool, the cool Bengal top. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Looks good. Well, if you can get that in time, Colin, good luck to you. Uh, alas, I won't be there for the, the, the Captain America's one. I will be in Paris of all places. So uh, feel sorry for me if you would like. Um, okay, brilliant. Well, lots to look forward to there and uh, live with, with the gang. Um, but tonight, we're going to talk about these wildcard weekend uh, games coming up. Six games, I think, is, is if I'm not right, three AFC and uh, three NFC. Yep, mathematics, very good. Hold on, Kala. Okay, so let's start with the Saturday night game, the 9.30 game, which is the NFC West Clash. So here we have two teams who've actually already played each other twice already, I think, if I'm not wrong, if... Uh, my research here in front of me, um, uh, thanks, Brian, uh, is correct. So it's the Seahawks at the 49ers in Santa Clara. So um, maybe I'll turn it over to each of you for your predictions. And I will start perhaps with you, Brian, as a thank you for preparing this little piece of information for me. Yeah, over the past few days, the NFL uh, kind of fans have kind of spoke about this seeding team because Colin Tuston last week when with the NFL didn't know how they were going to play out the season without potentially introducing an eighth seed and then this kind of brought this conversation back up around the fact that the seventh seed was introduced 
This is the second year, I believe, where we've had a seven seed, and this year the two second seeds versus seven seeds look like quite one-sided clashes. These two have played each other, obviously, because they're within the same division twice this year. Week two, 27-7 to the 49ers, it's a very dominant game. And then they played each other again in week 15, I believe, on the Thursday Night Football, Brock Purdy's first game on the road, week 14. Brock Purdy's fourth game on the road as a 49ers quarterback, and some of us felt that could be a tricky affair for them. 21 13, didn't really tell the full tale of the, of the game, the story. There was a late touchdown in garbage time, as they say, for the Seattle team. Very dominant performance that night from the 49ers. McCaffrey went for 108 yards, one touchdown, 30 yards receiving. Kittling Haymott was on fire. Kittle, um, at the start of the season, became more of a blocking tight end. We've seen the, the George Kittle levels in the second half of the season. Two touchdowns last week, two touchdowns in that game. And right now, this 49ers team, arguably are the favourites to win the Super Bowl. I know everybody feels the Eagles are either the clear favourites, you know, in terms of the NFC and who goes to the Super Bowl, but it's hard to get away from this Niners team. Seattle got into the playoffs last week, last week on the back of the Packers losing that game. And I think this is one, one of the most one-sided games we may see this weekend. I fully believe that the Niners will win this comfortably. I think Seattle are kind of a team that have always stressed themselves this year um, in terms of making the playoffs and up till they do their utmost on their peak card they'll always be competitive I think right now this Niners team are like a steam train I just can't see how they'll get stopped on Saturday evening I think it's a Niners win all day long Niners win all day long says Brian what about you Christina what's your take I definitely think it's going to be a Niners win Pete Carroll came out this week and actually said that they've got a really tall order against um, the 49ers who are completely fully loaded I think it's going to be interesting is we've seen rookie quarterbacks go towards the playoffs and they've always struggled in the playoffs when it comes to wild card games. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brock Purdy. I have a feeling that Shanahan is going to play a um, passing game, a very quick run game, which means Brock Purdy will have very little to do on the actual day itself. Um, but it's definitely really hard to see pass a 49ers win. Okay, very good. Um, Mark, how about you? Same. Uh, Seahawks fans are lamenting the fact that Brian has forsaken them. You know, the only <laughs> man to say they're going to get nine wins. The only that's right. The playoffs and now throwing them, cast them into the bin. Um, their seasons with O'Leary in the grave, uh, according to him, <laughs> the man himself. Um, yeah, I got the 49ers are definitely the favourites here, and yes, going by their other two matchups. I mean, even the. I think actually I was wrong, right? I think it was week 15, in fairness. But the week 15 matchup, um, you could say at 21-13, that's only a one-score game. But let's remember the Seahawks were at home. They backdoored the cover, basically. They got a touchdown with about three minutes to go with through Noah Fan. So it wasn't maybe as close as the score seems. But it's still the playoffs. It's still more pressure than Brock Purdy has ever seen before. It's still the scenario... Colm, I know you've talked about this before. Sometimes Carl Shanahan can outthink himself and, uh, you know, maybe could have sealed a couple of Super Bowls by playing um, a bit different and trying not to be so smart in various occasions. So um, is there a potential that anything could grow? Of course they could. He's going up against Pete Carroll, who's a wily old cat. Geno Smith has performed some uh, unexpected performances in the last while. Um, so I don't think it's straightforward. Nothing in the playoffs really is straightforward and especially not this season which has been full of shocks um with all of those caveats being said the san francisco 49ers do still have the soon to be in my mind defensive player of the year nick bosa 
They do have what has been the most impressive defense. They do have a 10-game winning streak. And they do have so many options on offense. Um, you know, even a rookie quarterback in his first playoff game, I do not think will hold them back. But just watch out for the Seahawks. Trying to take away the running backs, trying to take away the tight ends, where Purdy has focused all his throws on. And if they can in any way bottle up that San Francisco running game, it could be a very, very different state of affairs. Um, that all being said, I'm with the 49ers. You're going 49ers as well. And last but not least, Colin, uh, you're on the same boat, perhaps, or no? I I would lean very much into what Mark has been saying. I'm surprised Brian has gone away from them because I think this is exactly the type of game that Pete Carroll loves. Nobody's given them a prayer. And if there's one thing Pete Carroll loves, it's absolutely being the underdog and upsetting the apple carton. He is going to be scheming, um, which he is very, very good at. And um, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is certainly definitely a lot closer than people are expecting. But, you know, I I think they're going to put Brock Purdy under all sorts of pressure. And yeah, Brock Purdy has performed far above expectations and he does have Kyle Shanahan. Um, but playoff football is different. This is win or go home. That changes absolutely everything. Um, you can get away with things in the regular season. The, the pressure is not um, what it is in the playoffs, especially um, given where the, the 49ers were. You know, they, when Purdy came in, um, they, everything was rolling already. So... The 49ers should win this. They they absolutely should. Um but but um I, I would not I would not be shocked if the Seattle Seahawks uh, were to um to win it, but I, I am gonna say um that the 49ers and that defense does enough, but I think this will be a lot closer than maybe people expect. Okay. And Pete Carroll, just to be clear, is the uh, is the coach of the Seahawks. Is that right, Colin? Because I thought for a moment you meant the original thrower in Oasis, but clearly not. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. Brian, did you have something you wanted to throw in there? Yeah, Merrick mentions backdoor covers in the NFL, you know, referring to betting on the handicap and stuff. Colin and Merrick have essentially given themselves a backdoor cover there where come Monday evening to see Seahawks managed to win this. So I, I did pick the Fortnite. But I wasn't surprised. I did refer to the reasons why I could see them winning the game. They've essentially given the reasons as to how um, Seattle will win or could win. And then they say, but I'm still not picking them. Yeah, we have learned from you, Brian. We learned from you. Don't worry. All right. Enough of the bickering. 49ers are obviously going to win, uh, um, unfortunately, because Christopher McCaffrey decided to leave the Panthers. That's the reason. All right. Um, uh, thank you for your points, nevertheless. Full house on that one then. All right, game two. So this is the uh, the sort of the Saturday night going into the morning one, uh, the one fifteen a.m. one. So it's the Chargers on the road to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this is the battle of the haircuts, I think. So I know Trevor Lawrence has luxuriant hair, which we've talked about a lot here. Um, but also I took a look at this Justin Herbert guy. Fellin had a hair on him as well. Now, I don't know if that wins you football games, but if it does... Lawrence might have the edge there, but uh, tell us uh, your thoughts on it, Mark, and who you might see winning this one. 
well, first of all, it's very exciting and important that the both quarterbacks are healthy, Calais. That hasn't always been the case for these guys. As well as a healthy head of hair. And we're just healthy head of hair is coming back to as well. Um, Good stuff. I think, um, was it Brian referred, maybe you did, Calais, to the Timotei ads when relations Trevor Lawrence before. I, I prefer L'Oreal. It's because they're worth it. They're worth every penny. They're worth every part of their... Uh, salaries and their extensions that they're due to to get i mean david david ginella is coming back to mind in this regard or cheryl Cole oh, yeah has any preference um and they could definitely get their uh their advertising spends with the shampoo brands in the u.s but of course they're getting all their kudos and their spending power from their salaries from being two of the best young quarterbacks in the nfl and this is what we wanted to see this is what I think the dream was a couple of years ago when we're saying, look at the AFC, look how stacked it is with exciting young quarterbacks. Look at, you know, depending on your point of view, on two up, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Herbert, Lawrence, it started to become a little bit of a laundry list. And we want to see these guys match up against each other in the playoffs and see how it all transpires. The reality, though, is I think a bit different. Um, it's not all just on the quarterbacks. And whilst the Chargers have been starting to piece it together on offense a little bit more, they started to get more of a run game in the second half of the season. Austin Eckler has been a key part of that pro, um, that issue for them. Most importantly, they started to get people healthy on defense. And they're potentially the team that is getting, I'll say it straight, they're my dark horse in the AFC. They're the team that's getting healthy at the right time. And it's all about both sides of the ball. The Jags... Are the sexy pick at the moment, the sexy, oh, look at them, look how great Doug Peterson's turned it around. Go through the quarterbacks they faced off against in the last six weeks of the season. There is no doubt they're on the, you know, they're performing. There is no doubt that Trevor Lawrence has raised his game. But in terms of what they've gone up against, they haven't seen Justin Herbert. They have not seen Justin Herbert in the Chargers in this six to eight games. They've really turned their season around it. They've seen second stringers. And third stringers. I could give you the whole list, Calais, but I mean, basically, you will ask me who is most of the people that they have played us matched off against at quarterback this year. I have infinite respect for the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, which I actually think is one of the most underrated defenses in the league. But I'll be honest, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, as long as we don't dealing with the Chargers threatening to deceive and, you know, you know, this uh, plumassing that goes on in relations with every year, as long as they turn up, they should, in my opinion, be more than enough for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. So you're picking the Chargers, yeah? Wow. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah, even. Uh, an emphatic, uh, demonic demonstration of, of preference. How about you then, Brian? What's uh, what's your take on this matchup? Mark is kind of He's kind of distancing himself from this good Jags run in which they've been on and referring to the opposition and the poor quarterbacks. Well, then I'll throw one out there for you. The Chargers have only beaten one team this season that made the playoffs. So, you know, we could always look at it from that point of view as well. Um, have they played anybody really good? Or when they do play teams really good, they don't beat them. The only team which they've beaten who've come to the playoffs is the Dolphins. And even with that, you could question whether they're really good enough at this stage of the season to be a a playoff team. Well, I've actually been quite, I have been impressed with the Jags despite the, the opposition and who they're playing. There's a lot to be said for having momentum going into the playoffs as much as getting players back and having a fit and healthy team. Defensively, Marcus Wright, the Jags have really stepped up in the last five games. Uh, four, four, four to five, they've only conceded 23 points or less. They've been quite dominant. They did play each other in the season which the Jags won. Let's not 
pick up that game. That game, in fairness, had a lot of injuries. Mike Williams, um, I know Conlon has his question marks whether he's the number one wide receiver in this league, but he is really crucial to this to this team. When he plays, um, Herbert's percentage rate in terms of completions goes up to 69%. When he doesn't, it drops down to 38%. And right now, we don't know if he's going to play. It's just been confirmed in the last hour. He hasn't practiced today again, and it's going to be a game-time decision. I'd imagine that he'll go out there last game this evening kind of scenario, and they'll have to play him. And Trevor Lawrence... Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't going up against these uh, poor quarterbacks. It's defense, and he's thrown 15 touchdowns and one interception in his last nine games. The reason why they're on this run is because he has shown and become the quarterback that we started, we expected to see under good head coaching because you could write off last year because of the, the craziness that was going on there. I'm with the Jags. Again, I'm against Mark on this. I think, I think the Jags will win. I think we'll see. Um, people were referring to the uh, campaign on the Chargers uh, social page today about these punching of the tickets all season long and no one gave them a chance I think their final ticket will be punched on Saturday night I'm going with the Jags OK going with the Jags I'm going to go to you then Christina next and here are you Jags or Chargers what's what's your thoughts you know what I've been kind of tossing all week I've been a flip-flop on this one especially because the Chargers team that we're seeing this weekend is completely different to the team in week three that Doug Peterson's team completely obliterated 38-10 that was a shocking game. They were missing um, Allen. They were missing Herbert that day. The team just didn't look gelled. It was only three weeks into the season. The Jags offense needs to have a, re- a better game, though, than what it did against the Titans last week. We all know that. We've all agreed completely with that. I do think, though, after re-watching the Chargers, the Chargers do have a chance, and I think it's going to be a really close game. But doing what Chargers do always, I've got a feeling they're going to actually mess it up last minute in that last five minutes of the game, either through a fumble, an interception, or it's actually going to be through a missed field goal for sure. I'm going to go with the Jags. Okay. Should we put a bet on for a missed field goal? Sounds like a good, good bet there. Okay. And lastly then, Colm, what is your take on it? Mark says that the Chargers are getting healthy and getting players back at the right time and they are getting players back but they got them back and they couldn't beat the Broncos last week the Broncos had an absolute train wreck with season Mark they put the starters out he wanted momentum I defended them putting the starters out to me it made sense because they wanted momentum but they couldn't beat a bad bad Broncos team who had absolutely nothing to play for and he went with his full team he put the starters out there he get. I mean, the Broncos gave up the most pressure, the most sacks. Um, Russell Wilson has been appalling. And it was, he made the chart, like talk about like rolling back the years. Russ was having the moon ball. The Chargers couldn't run the ball. Um, I just don't have any faith. I saw this Chargers team do the exact same team thing last year against a really bad Broncos team. We've seen it time and again from the Chargers over the years when it comes to crunch type they ultimately are the Spurs of the NFL. Uh, I don't trust them. They're too Spursy. They play some nice football when there's no pressure on them whatsoever. Um, they are blessed that they have uh, Justin Herbert, who is an absolutely phenomenal QB. But I don't have a belief in the the rest of them to, to step up when necessary. I don't think they put the weapons around Herbert outside of Keenan Allen. And I think that um, in terms of the head coaches, uh, which is possibly even more important than QBs, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the advantage. I would take Doug Pedersen over Brandon Staley. And for that reason, I'm going to say that the Jags get the win. 
Okay, I see a couple of you itching there to throw in something back. Is it the Spurs reference or, or what's going on? Brian, did you have something there? It wasn't, but it is now. I hope we can muck that piece up and put that in before Saturday Eve's game. It's too Spursy for me. Um, no, um, America's time and Connors alludes with the fact that they're getting healthy, but like we can have this conversation time and time again whether you should play your starters or rest them in the final game of the season when there's nothing to play for. But ultimately, that's what has cost them because if Mike Williams plays hard, he's not going to be at the, the 100% that we would expect. And Bose as well got injured last weekend. And again, will he be fully fit going into this game? They took a gamble with looking for momentum. It didn't work for them both in terms of the result and it hasn't worked out in injuries. But there is other players coming back, so maybe it's still home. We're not totally reliant on those two players, but it, it doesn't help the situation. Fair enough. Uh, Mark, I saw you there come, wanting to come in. What What's your thought? Um, I cannot consider the charges being Spursy because if I'm supporting them as an Arsenal <laughs> fan, that is just you know. But that's de- that's de- that's death to a, an Arsenal fan. I can't agree with Colin's analysis because he just it does not compute for me. In that case, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll stand okay. alone on this one, Calais. I'll stand alone. stand alone. That's fine. Well, for what it's worth, given that I was a mid-season replacement here I, in the show. Uh, I have never heard any of you talk in any kind of terms about the charges, so it's funny that they're now in sort of the playoff picture here. And uh, I, I, for that reason alone, I, I, I assume that the, the Jags are better. But you know, what do I know? Uh, okay, Callis, sorry, it's a shame you weren't here earlier in the season because I continuously gave out about a week after. Oh, did you? Okay, and and that head coach, he's no friend of mine. <laughs> he's no friend of yours. Okay, fair enough. Well. Uh, he might be quite spursy as well. All right, I think we might just um, break a little bit for any comments. I know there's probably comments coming in there. Brian, if you want to flash them up on screen and keep them coming in, folks. Uh, who's the most spursy team? Maybe it's a good question to answer. Okay, he just, Brian, I'll show Keith is showing his picks for the weekend. Niners, Chargers, Head says Bills. Obviously, he's a Dolphins fan. He's going Bengals. He's going for two shocks at the end, but I don't know if they're considered shocks at this stage of the season. Cowboys to beat the Bucks and the Giants to beat the Vikings. Um, Owen is uh, keep sleeping on Owen is a Chargers fan so yeah he's quite a confident going into this game which is I thought this game would have been I would have split us but it didn't Owen I'm not sleeping on you I'm wide awake and watching man I'm wide awake wide awake okay any more Brian or will we keep going no we'll keep going we'll keep going keep the the comments coming in Uh, they're always a bit of crack and uh, and nice nice to hear from y'all all right, so we're going to go to the Sunday 6 o'clock game, which is the AFC East Clash. Uh, another game with two two teams from the same division. So it's the Dolphins at the Bills. And I suppose, like, as someone who's kind of a neutral, uh, certainly since the Panthers are out, I mean, I think the Bills are a team that everyone would like to see do well, same way people wanted Denmark to do well in the World Cup. Um, but uh, I'll hear your expert opinions on this rather than me uh, waffling. So maybe I'll go to you, Christina, first and talk me through your thoughts on the Dolphins at the Bills. I knew you were going to pick me first because this is the one game I don't have a lot of stats or anything written down for because to be honest with you, we all know it. It's going to be the Bills. I don't think the Dolphins are going to do anything. Tua has been ruled out completely again for the rest of the game. You know, Skyler Thompson is in there for Miami. I don't think he's going to be able to knock the Bills' playoff chances or their advances anyways far away. Josh Allen and his co have actually won seven straight games to get to the AFC. So I just, I can't see past the Bills this week. There's no other way of looking at it really, is there? Okay, fair enough. Um, All right then, how about uh, you, Brian? What's your take on Dolphins and the Bills? 
I can give you a, a path to victory for the zone. Yes. Um, they, well, they only played each other a couple of weeks back, the week prior to Christmas. And the game finished on a field goal win for the Bills and then other Dolphins fans felt it was one that got away. But I did recognise it was with two at a quarterback as opposed to their torch stringer in Skylar Thompson who has done very little in the games in which we've seen him so far. They did run the ball very effectively in that game on at 56 yards. And they got away from that since then. They just, for some reason, the following week they played the Packers on Christmas Day in the first half. Dominant run game. And for some reason their coaches since then has done nothing. If they go back to basics on that and have long methodical drives and keep the Bills off the field, there's a chance. I was looking at a piece around the Chiefs when their offense was a bit static a couple of years ago. They put Tyreek Hill back into the special teams and, and essentially he was the punt returner and the kickoff returner. And their average return went from 22 yards up to 48 yards because he's so effective. He's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's so special even on special teams. Maybe they put him back. It is the last game of the season essentially. If they lose, go with a flyer there. Put themselves in a position where they get good field position. Allow themselves short field for the quarterback. And maybe he can then put them in position to score touchdowns. I'm trying to put up reasons as to why I see it. Dolphins win, but generally, I'm with Christine and I imagine I'm going to be with the guys. It's going to be Bills. They're averaging 30 points a game at home. Can you see the Dolphins even if they do go a particular way, get, keep them up with that? I can't see it. Bills for me as well. Okay, so there's maybe a sliver of you're, you're reminding me of that scene in Dumb and Dumber where he's like, what are the chances of a guy like me and a girl like you getting together? And she's like, one in a million. He's like, so you're saying there's a chance. So it's that kind of level of chance, I suppose, is what we're talking about. Uh, Mark, what, what's your take? Uh, I, I'd like to go back to the history books, Calais. Um, but I really Let's do. If I remember correctly, and... Dolphins fans, you can correct me. The last time the Miami Dolphins won a playoff game, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the last time they won a playoff game, was under Dan Marino, actually. He went on the road to Seattle, if I remember correctly, in the wild card round, won a playoff game up there, and then he went into the divisional round against the team we were just talking about, the Jacksonville Jaguars in North Florida State rivalry. In the final game of Hall of Fame career, 17-year career, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, ever to play the game. Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins were trounced 62-7 in the most one-sided playoff game ever known. They were 38 nil up before Marino completed his first pass in relation to it. it two inceptions, two, two fumbles. It was an abomination. I am not raising this game to hurt Keith's feelings and all the Dolphins fans out there and to bring back bad memories. But the Dolphins, we're talking about the Chargers threatening to deceive. The Dolphins since then, they've done nothing. You'll do nothing. I mean, that's the Conor McGregor line, isn't it? You'll do nothing. You'll do nothing. They they haven't, and they won't with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. He's on about a 57% completion rate. He has done nothing. They've scraped into the playoffs on the back of a five-game losing streak and then scraping. I mean, watch that game from last week again. They're the very definition of scraping into the playoffs against the Jets team that didn't even have an offense, okay? This team, even with Tyree Kill, even with um, Waddle, even with Jeff Wilson at running back at all these weapons, they can't do anything if Skylar Thompson can't get the ball to them. I don't blame him. He's a seventh-round quarterback pick. You don't expect much from them unless they're called Brock Purdy, clearly. So it's not his fault, but there is... I'm just going to say it, like, you know... Play this clip back to me next week if you like. There is no way they're even going to be competitive in this game. This is going to be 42-3 or something similar. 
the Bills will obliterate them. The Bills will obliterate them. I think we stood corrected there, Brian, about uh, putting a message there saying they did have a wildcard win back in the year 2000. Is that right, Brian? Okay, sorry, the year after that, a wild. Fair enough, Brian. Sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, was it, uh, it wasn't me. It was Keith. Keith came in. Keith, Keith, keeping us honest there. Thanks, Keith. Okay, the year after Marino retired. Right, fair enough. Well, listen, uh, Colm, I'd like to get your take on the game as well, uh, given given the the the, the 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 way everyone's gone and this. I'm guessing you're the same. Yeah, I mean, I think what this Cala is, if the Dolphins were to do it, you would probably be looking at. I, I don't know if there is a historical precedent for this. I mean, there are there have been some incredible, you know, upsets. Right, you you think about. Um, you may, maybe Tim Tebow against Ben Roethlisberger. You think of oh, Marco like this Nick Foles over Tom Brady and what Nick Foles has done uh, ever since then. You think of Keenum um, beating Breeze. Um, but those were, you know, they weren't the third string. They were not where the Dolphins find themselves. I did uh, find reference today to um, the 1965 Colts, uh, without both of their QBs, uh, went with uh, a tailback at, at QB. They ended up losing in the, the playoffs 13-10. Um, but the, even that uh, was as close as I could find. I was looking for something to give the Dolphins a little bit of hope. I didn't find any, and I don't think there is any. Don't think there is any Perel Dolphins. I do think of my old roommate in the States who uh, was from Utah and he decided just randomly to pick backing the Dolphins because he liked Dan Marino as a kid and then the Dolphins did absolutely nothing forever. Perel Ross, if you're out there, hope you're doing all right. Hope that you're okay this weekend. All right, we'll go to uh, the 9.30 game, uh, which is the Giants against the Vikings. I'm not going to say anything because we have a Giants fan here. I'm going to start with him. Brian, what do you say with your head and what do you say with your heart? I thought you wouldn't have come to me for us. I thought I would have an opportunity to compose myself. Okay. Oh, oh, compose, compose yourself. Compose yourself. I'll t- hold on there a second. I'll go, I'll go to Colin first and then I'll come to you. Okay, just take a minute there, Brian. Colin, what are your thoughts? This is probably... I. The, tightest game of the the weekend these are two teams who are pretty evenly matched in, in many respects despite their the way in which their ultimately their records would suggest um but the the vikings as we know got the walkout win against the jets a few weeks ago 61 yard field goal usually things end in disaster when it comes to late field goals for the the vikings but under kevin o'connell it's a little bit different. Two rookie um, head coaches going up against one another in this. Two quarterbacks who I think there have been lots of questions about. Um, but then the the strengths of the teams vary after that because for the Vikings, it's all about Justin Jefferson, um, who I, I would argue is the offensive player of the year. Whereas for the Giants, it it's about Saquon in terms of moving the ball, um, but it is about Sexy Dexy in terms of shutting teams down. The man who ate two large fish and chips 
in London and said that he still wasn't full. So, um, yeah, good, good, good luck uh, to Dalvin Cook trying to uh, run, ar- run around uh, him. And, um, uh, you know, it's probably as well that they're, they're playing in the dome because he's so large, Kala, that he casts his own shadow. Um, I, I think this one will come right down um, to the wire. I, I think it is a game that could go either way. But um, I, I just think that ultimately... Uh, Kevin O'Connell seems to um, be blessed in close games this year. Um, the Vikings may not win the Super Bowl, but in a close game, they just seem to come up uh, and get the win. So ultimately, I'm going to say they edge it. Edge it for the Vikings and sexy Dexy. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm going to have to look this individual up afterwards. Uh, okay, Brian, are you composed? Do you have your thoughts together? Call them off next year's Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, in many ways, I agree with everything Colin was saying. It's, it, you know, I reflect on the game <clears throat> from the Christmas Eve in which the Giants turned the ball over three times at critical times during the game, and yet they still lost by a field goal. But look, not every game is, is the same in the NFL. I appreciate that, but both teams are very evenly matched. And the Vikings have played nine games at home this season, and with the exception of the Cowboys game, where they got completely toasted. Um, they've won eight games by one score and yeah it's the manner of the victories in terms of you know the camaraderie and the the momentum it's built throughout the course of the season that they've gone and won these games and it shows a lot to the terms of the head coach and the players playing for them and quite similar in a way to the Giants whilst the Giants may not have the players that they've had how the Giants have gone about winning games this season earlier on in the season was keep it tight tr- remain, in, remain in the game and have an opportunity in the fourth quarter and ultimately then it came down to good coaching and play and decision making and this year's Giants quarterback has decision making has been fantastic we're in, ter- in terms of where he was last year in that particular game in Christmas Day because of the injuries in which the Giants had defensively despite the fact they continued to blitz because 48% of the players of defensive were blitzes they had to go zone in the secondary which allowed Jefferson and look Jefferson when he's man marked or when it's zone he does his damage because he's a great wide receiver in the league the Giants are getting the Dory Jackson back who's their standout cornerback on Sunday and he will be up against Jefferson so You've got to take the wrong game away, Cook and, and Madison, and try and make it as one-dimensional and find a way to take Jefferson out of the game. But even if you take Jefferson out of the game, they've got players like Hawkinson and Tatum. And I think it's a service to the Giants offensively that people are continuing to talk about Barkley because as the season has evolved, whilst he may not be big names, collectively as a group, the wide receivers have done really well. In particular, that came in Minnesota a few weeks ago. All three wide receivers had huge numbers and some of them scored touchdowns. I'm going to go, I don't know if it's a shock, genuinely I don't know if it's a shock, but I'm going to go with the Giants to win. I think the law of averages, if you continue to win games at home by one score, at some say that, that luck runs out, and I think the Giants might be on the right side of it on Sunday and win an eight game. I agree with Colin, I think it'll be close, I think it'll come down tense to the last drive of the game. Who has the ball last? And I'm going to go with the Giants to win an, win, win with an eight score. Okay. Uh, just to be clear as well, if it's a shock result, broadly, yes, but it's no shock to me that you pick the Giants but that's cool. Um, okay. Uh, Christina, what about you? So I'm leaning with the Vikings only because the Vikings are at home. They're going to want to light it up. It's the last game of the season at home. I think it's interesting. Is this the fourth postseason matchup for these guys? It's a bit crazy that this has happened so far. And so far, the Giants are two wins up. Obviously, the Vikings won as well. Uh, most memorable is week 16. I do think, though, that Daniel Jones and Shaquan will actually have a really good game in regards to keeping the Giants in there with their running game. I do think they're going to bring some really big plays. 
But I just think that the Vikings are able to move the ball a lot more consistently than what the Giants are able to do. That's why I'm going to go with the Giants. Kirk Cousins is just going to go out fighting at home. You're going to go with the Giants or the Vikings? Sorry. Oh, said, the Vikings. You, yeah, you said Giants and then Cousins. And I was like, never me who doesn't know enough about football knew that that didn't tally. I was doing what what Brian, what the guys were doing during the week as well, Colm and Mark are known for, which is you know, trying to cover myself. Okay, fair enough. Hedging your bets as always. Okay, very good. Um, all right, and Mark, your call finally oh. on this one. As I'm allegedly saying I'm covering myself, I am going to give Dolphins fans one slimmer of hope, glimmer of hope, which is TJ Yates, actually. Brought back the Texans as a rookie filling in for match four and won a playoff game. So there you go. There's a glimmer of hope and I've covered myself as I'm being accused of doing. So I'll give him that 42-7 then instead of 42-3. Um, on this game, Giants and Vikings, um, frankly, Kelly, um, most of the normal statistics would tell us these two teams are pretty bad. Um, there have only been 53 teams in the history of the NFL that have made the playoffs with a negative point differential. The Giants, a negative six for the season. And believably, given their win-loss record, the Vikings also have a negative point differential. Um, Brian will like this stat, though. Out of all the teams that had the negative point differential, only one of them went on to the Super Bowl, and that was, of course, the 2011 Giants. Can't remember who they beat in the Super Bowl, but, you know, apparently they won it that year. Um, the reality for me is, like, the Giants, sorry, the Vikings have been stumbling. Like, the Vikings' performance in the last few weeks has been diabolical since that, though obviously that Cowboys game in particular. Um, however, and, and the Packers game were very disappointing results. However, let's be not kidding ourselves, Brian. The Giants, since a great start to the season, have really gone off the boil. I mean, I think in the last eight games, they're 2-5-1, and one, and the two wins were against the Colts and the Commanders. It's not exactly setting the world alight, to, to put it bluntly. And in fairness, we are now at the end of the season saying something we never thought we'd say at the start of the season. They're winning the games, and to your point about Barkley, relying on Daniel Jones. The last few weeks, even with that win-loss record, he's probably had some of his best games as a giant in his entire career so far. The vaunted defense is not as performing as it was at the start of the season. They're not getting the stops on third down in red zone at the start of the season. They've given up yards, but stopping the scores. That hasn't been the case in the latter half. And I'm not saying the Vikings are world beaters, hence why I call out their negative point differential, hence why I call out that they have been swapped, that would be a good word, swapped in any game of material importance. Um, I know what I called this out the other week, Colin mentioned, but they beat the Bills. Yeah, remember how did they beat the Bills, Colin, with the luckiest play of all time? Um, in, in terms of the circumstances. So, to me, yes, I, sorry, I don't believe the Vikings are necessarily designed to go all the way. Partly would like to. A Vikings-Bills Super Bowl between two own four teams in the Super Bowl would be very interesting. Um, but I think they've got enough to handle the Giants who are just happy, basically, to be back in the dance and to be back on the uh, the right path under Dave Bull and Show. So Vikings for me as well. Vikings for you. Can I ask a question? And Brian, you're probably the right man to ask as a Giants fan. When was the last time the Giants were in the playoffs? 2016. 2016. So 
I mean, I suppose if we're to go back to the point that I think Colin might have made it at the very start of the show was just this notion of that it's playoff football and there's a lot on the line here. I can't see why the Giants can't win. I'll just give you that. Also, I have a lot of love in my heart for New York because I lived there for seven years. So I'm going to I'm going to pick the Giants. It doesn't really matter. Nobody gives a shit. I think probably Mark said where on YouTube. Sorry, Mark said that um, <clears throat> there's a feeling within. I don't know whether it's the outside looking in. There's a feeling that the Giants are just very happy to be back in the playoffs. Mark obviously hasn't been watching any of Brian Dable's uh, press conferences this week. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> right, Mark, did you have one last counterpoint Mark, to that? Make it quick now. Make I'm it quick. Let's have this bigger. You could call this the nobody believes in us ball. Because that's the line the Vikings are taking and the Giants are taking. They both can't be right. Indeed. Why, why would they? I like the Vikings too, you know, I'm, I'm Swedish of origin and they sent me pencils one time when I wrote to the Minnesota Vikings as a young man, so, you know, they can't be all bad. All right, we're going to go to the last one, um, <laughs> which is the Sunday night football game, which is the, the one o'clock in the morning job for us in Ireland here. Uh, it's the Ravens at the Bengals. So it's another, another one of these ones where uh, teams from the same division are playing against each other. This seems like a good uh, good matchup, so I want to hear maybe uh, this time I'll go to you, Colm, uh, perhaps first and take get your take on this uh, Ravens-Bengals game. Well, unfortunately, Cal, it looks like for the Ravens, they will not have QB1, and that is, I think, um, going to mean that this is um, less of a contest than it would have been. It would be fascinating to see uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, a fully fit Lamar Jackson go up against Joe Burrow um, but that alas is not likely to happen and I think there will be, it'll be interesting to see ultimately um, what happens with Lamar in the, the off season for the the Bengals they look, they needed to take care of business last week um, and they did I think the, the Bengals you can sense it, they feel a little bit aggrieved um, at the way in which things um, played out uh, for for them. I think they would have felt that they had uh, a reasonable shot at, at beating the, the Bills. Obviously, um, the, you know, um, events with uh, DeMar uh, meant that uh, that didn't happen. Uh, great news, obviously, uh, further great news this week that he is out of, out of hospital. Um, but... I think Joe Burrow with a chip on his shoulder is a very, very dangerous thing. Um, and it's not something um, that any of the AFC teams are going to enjoy or going to relish going up against him. Um, you know, he just his ability to remain calm under pressure. And it doesn't seem to, to phase him no matter what you throw at him. You go back last year against the Titans, nine sacks, he got the job done. You go in the fact that they go into Arrowhead and the Chiefs are steamrolling them and he just keeps um, keeps the the same um, just constant, like just the level of calm and he just goes about his business and is able to, to channel uh, that anger, that chip on his shoulder, whatever you want. Um, I think the Bengals could be very, very dangerous in the, the playoffs and I have them uh, beating the, the Ravens. Okay, Bengals beating the Ravens. Um, I'm going to go to you, Mark, this time. Uh, what's your take on this one? Catsy birds. Bengals. <laughs> that's it? That's your take? I like it. I keep it short and sweet. Love it. 
I was going to ask at the end if this was actually Bengals versus Ravens. I think it might be a fairly unfair matchup and it probably is comparable in the real world as well. Um, or the football world. Is that real? I don't know. Christina, what about you? Bengals, Ravens. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think it's interesting, though, that since 1978, this is actually the 17th time both teams have actually met each other one week after playing each other in the playoffs. Um, which is a bit of a random and crazy stat. But look, without Lamar Jackson, I just really feel Baltimore just haven't been able to do it this year. Everyone is just, you know, Cullum has really touched on Joe Burrow. He has this matrix ability around him. It's not just the glasses he wears on his way into the stadium. He really does have that Neo chip on his shoulder. He commands that room, that dressing room, that everyone joins him and everyone believes in him and everyone believes in themselves and the team. And that's something I really see Baltimore lacking right now because they just don't have that clear leader. So it's definitely going to be the Bengals. Well, the Bengals. Awesome. That was my best Keanu Reeves impersonation. Thank you. All right, Brian, what about you? Ravens and Bengals. I I don't want to get too far into the offseason, but I think there's a real story. I thought you were going to say, I don't want to do a Keanu Reeves impersonation. You don't have to. No, I won't. No, but this this Lamar Jackson story, because... For weeks on end, when he was out injury, it was all a case of, look, he'll be in, come playoff time, he'll be back. And even on NFL Network today, they were saying the timeline that was, the timeline based on the injury that's been, I suppose, communicated to the media over, you know, when it's him or other players, he would be back by now. He said he would have been back last week and he definitely could have been available this week. So for the fact it essentially looks like he's been ruled out already for the weekend is quite strange. And it's, you know, it's a season where he's going to be looking for a big contract and he, it was the kind of one of the key talking points last summer whether he was going to get the contract and they couldn't get it done before the season started. He started off the season great, then obviously he got injured and it's kind of gone away. And the Ravens are kind of falling into the same pattern that they had last year. But the problem was last year was around the defence and how many injuries they had, which led them not making the playoffs, albeit they had a chance late in the season to get there. And they just this year was a bit weird because they were in the playoffs because they did so well earlier in the season with Lamar Jackson that they built up so many wins that they kind of just fell into the playoffs and fell into the position in which they're in. And... Crusaders, right? I mean, it's very unusual to see teams play each other week 17 or week 18 in this NFL world now and then find themselves playing each other again. And inevitably, it tends to be the same result. So um, it's Bengals all day for me. Column's right. They're playing with a chip on the shoulder. We saw some comments last weekend from the players after the game around the fact that they feel the NFL has done them a disservice, that they haven't had the opportunity to put themselves in a better position to be in the Super Bowl because of the seeding situation. I think they'll go out again this weekend and make a, a real point. And, make sure that they win this game comfortably and put themselves in a real strong position when they play the Chiefs or the Bills the following week in all like no, it's one of those two teams. All right, full house for the Bengals. I have I have some love for the Bengals. In fact, the, my friend in Berlin, Andre, was the one who got me into NFL in the very first place and he's a Bengals fan, so you can imagine he was excited and crushed last year as well. So shout out, Andre. Hope the Bengals do it as well. Okay, that is our lot because I think we're going to we're gonna uh, preview the last wildcard game which is uh bucks and cowboys not right cowboys at the books um it's a case of who do i want to win less um personally but anyway we can talk about that on monday when we review these ones but let's uh let's have a look at a couple more comments uh brian if you have them there yeah it's very executive been here now see what we've i think they've been pretty active haven't they yeah sorry so that was gone up already owns yeah he's confident in the bangles um there's quite a few in here. There's a there's a bit of a story around Tom Brady and where he's going to play next season. Uh, Owen again, 
uh, Raiders will offer everything for Brady. There's a storyline going around for the past few weeks with the fact that Derek Carr, who confirmed today he will no longer be the Raiders quarterback, will be moving on. There's a storyline that the Bucs won't be keeping Brady and he will inevitably end up in Las Vegas playing for the Raiders next season. So there's a lot of dialogue. Newly divorced Tom Brady moves to Las Vegas. It sounds like a disastrous uh, Hollywood movie waiting to happen. Fantastic. What could go wrong, Colin? What well, what could possibly go wrong with a man like that? For for any for anyone else, that that would be an amazing comedic adventure. For Tom Brady, it will just be a, a, this bleak documentary where he gets up at three in the morning to work out in the gym and drinks three liters of water before eleven a.m. Uh, just on the Brady thing, I um, had the opportunity to talk to Karen Vitali uh, during the, the week, obviously, for uh, formerly with the, the Bucks. And um, she had a really interesting and, and fair point. Before Brady signed for Tampa Bay, he did a lot of homework. He found out like where, where the team really was at and who he could bring in with him. Um, he doesn't want to go somewhere. And the, 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 the window is even tighter now. Tom needs to win now. The Raiders don't have the money to bring in the guys Tom is going to want to bring in. They're not set up to win now. I would be very... Mark Davis, I'm sure, would absolutely love Tom Brady in Vegas. I do not see Tom Brady landing there. Fair enough. Tom Brady in Vegas sounds a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo going to play in Saudi Arabia to me as well. It's kind of a big flashy move as well, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, he needs to make his crypto packs as well, and I like that. <laughs> very good. Okay, well, I think on that note, let's just remind folks, like we said at the top of the show, there is an upcoming live uh, event at the PointsBet offices uh, and also at the conclusion of that week. Actually, can you flash it up there on screen, Brian? There's the uh, the Irish NFL show live in uh, Captain America's on the 27th uh, from 7.30 to 9. And those tickets are 10 euros and they go on sale tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that right, gang? Got one? Yeah. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Yep, the link will be Tomorrow online. morning at 9 a.m. It's like lighting up for you two tickets or Garth Brooks tickets. You want to get jumping in there now, uh, running to stand still. Okay, well, that is all we have time for on tonight's show. Uh, thanks to Colm, thanks to Brian, thanks to Christina, and thanks to Mark. And uh, I suppose I'll thank myself. Thanks, Calla. Uh, we'll see you next time and enjoy the weekend of Wild Cards. See ya. <laughs>